Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Okay, so the reading is from Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray you'd nourish us through it tonight and speak to us and through your servant, Mafi. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I want to kick us off with a little activity, a little exercise. Um, And uh, it's going to be good fun. It's on table manners. And it's got nothing to do with the guys I was sitting with at uh, at dinner time. I promise it really isn't. I was the one sitting with my arms on the table. Anyway, quick question. Um, since we've got so many, uh, so many nationalities here, so many people from diverse parts of the world, people from Ireland, people from all over, we're all going to have various table manners. I was chatting to somebody today who actually grew up with, without a kitchen table. I was thinking, well, everyone's going to have a kitchen table, but it just goes to show I didn't know that. And so we're, we're going to chat a little bit, and I'm going to tell you, uh, growing up, I put my elbows on the table. And that, that is one of the first things I was, I was taught not to do at the table. Uh, Matthew, no arms and, or no elbows on the table. Who's Matthew? Yeah, who, who's that guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's long gone. We're actually going to hear about Matthew tonight, but anyway. We've got so many, so many experiences, so many expectations, habits, maybe unwritten rules that it has just become second nature to us at this point. So if Reid was no elbows on the table, there's another one, don't, don't reach over. Uh, somebody just ask. Um, or don't talk with your mouth full, hold the knife and fork in a particular way. I held the knife or the fork as a, as a digger. So ultimately, I managed to get onto a knife not all that long ago. <laughs> and then finally, skin plates go to the left. And so the Irish absolutely love potatoes. So you have potatoes at every single meal and skin plates go to the left. You're encouraged to eat your skins, but if you don't want to, then the skins go to the skin plate on the left. So listen, every day is a learning day. There are these unwritten rules, these habits, experiences, ex- expectations that we bring whenever we get to the table. And so at mealtimes, it can become glaringly obvious who is not part of the family. Doesn't it? Maybe you have a guest around or you have a friend or somebody comes around and, and you're eating your dinner and you know what you're meant to be doing and you see them not doing it. And, and you're wondering, oh, mum or, or dad, they're never going to say anything to them, but I'm not allowed to act like that. And so there's this, there's this friction that, that can come at the dinner table. Because we know what we're meant to do, and then other people aren't doing it, and, and we're wondering, well, they're, they're meant to be acting the same way we're meant to be acting, because there's this unwritten rule. There's this idea we have to be, uh, or have a, have a particular um, set of manners at the table. And the manners that we have is what we expect from everyone else that comes along. So this evening, we're going to see some friction over a meal as we jump into Luke chapter 5. Because what was once glaringly obvious gets turned upside down by grace. 
And so we saw contrasts last night, this morning, this afternoon of, 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 of the Pharisee and, and the sinner. We saw these contrasts and what was once glaringly obvious will get turned upside down again tonight by grace. So in, in the book, A Meal with Jesus, Tim Chester makes the case that there's three times in the Gospels where it says the Son of Man came. So the first one, and it's, well, not the first one, but in Mark 10, 45, it says the Son of Man came not to serve, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We'll have heard that plenty of times. Son of Man came um, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Luke 19 talks about the Son of Man coming to seek and save the lost. That's one of the Bible verses I learned growing up as a child. Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And then maybe the third one that we're maybe not all that familiar with, or probably wasn't our, our Bible verse or memory verse growing up, it wasn't the verse that we had on the fridge, but it was Luke 7, 34, that says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking. That's quite a contrast. And Tim Chester goes on to explain the first two are statements as to why Jesus came. He, he came to serve, he came to give his life, he came to seek and save the lost. But the third one is a statement of his method. How did Jesus come? Jesus came eating and drinking. Jesus came eating and drinking. He was, Jesus was seriously into eating and drinking so much that his enemies accused him of doing it in excess. Accused him of being a, a drunk, a sluggard. Jesus was so into it that his enemies found reason to get on at him. And the Pharisees will have known the, the term son of man. And it derives from Daniel chapter 7. You don't have to look it up, but I'm going to read um, Daniel 7, 13 to 14. So in Daniel's vision, he says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days, so God, and he was led into his presence. He was given authority and glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So the Jews of Jesus, they were expecting someone to vindicate them. Someone to bring them out from under Roman occupation. Someone that would establish Israel as God's kingdom and dominion that would defeat God's enemies. Not somebody that would come and seek and save the lost, not somebody that would come to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, and certainly not someone that's going to come eating and drinking. He's a glutton and he's a drunkard. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. This is Jesus. And so it seems that Jesus' mission strategy more often looked like evangelism and discipleship around the table. A long meal with lots of food, often in dodgy company. He's eating with his friends. And we're going to see that Jesus' friends are actually tax collectors. Jesus' friends are sinners. Jesus' friends are those that maybe we wouldn't be all that friendly with or close to. And I wonder, would, would, would Maffey go to dinner with the same people that Jesus is having a meal with here? What a challenge. Jesus actually likes spending time with these people. He desires to, he enters in. As Steve said last night, this invitation, Jesus is the one that initiates it. And so in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, he's either at a meal or else he's coming from a meal. So I want to read, read the five verses out again. So look, look with me in, in the Bible. Luke 5, 27 to 32. 
After this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and, and others were eating with them. Tax collectors and others. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Guys, the problem here wasn't the party. The Pharisees knew that God was going to throw a party. They absolutely knew it. Their objection was to the guest list. The issue the Pharisees had was to the guest list, the people that Jesus invited. So tax collectors or, or social outcasts, social outcasts who commonly used their, their own position to, to cheat people. They were at the bottom of the pile in society or they were absolutely despised. But worse than that, they were in bed with the enemy. So the tax collectors were Jews but they were working to lift taxes for the Romans. So the Jews, the Jewish tax collectors were taking tax off the fellow Jews in order to give it to the Romans. So the Jews are waiting for the day when, when God would come, God would smite the enemies, establish his power, establish his dominion over all, but, but yet these Jewish tax collectors are siding with the Romans, the enemy. And so they were traitors, not just to the Jews, but they were traitors to God. And so it's no small scandal whenever... Whenever firstly, Jesus asks Levi to follow him. And then secondly, for Jesus to come and dine with Levi at his house, it's absolutely unthinkable. And so mealtimes in that culture were, were far more, much more than just consuming food. Mealtimes were far more important than, than simply filling your belly and getting back to whatever you're getting back to. Mealtimes are symbolic of intimacy, symbolic of unity, symbolic of fellowship. Carolyn Steele wrote, wrote a book called Hungry City and she said few acts are more expressive of companionship than the shared meal. Someone with whom we share food is likely to be our friend or well on the way to becoming one. I shared a meal this evening with, uh, with uh, three others. Um, one of them is a good friend, one is a friend and one wasn't a friend. And coming away from this now I've got three, three, three friends. It's all over a meal, it's sharing a meal, it's sitting looking at one another in the eye. The problem the Pharisees had with the guest list was primarily because the tax collectors and the others were unclean. The message was loud and clear. These people do not measure up to the standards of purity that we expect. That is the Pharisees' bottom line. We live in this particular way, we've got our standards and these people simply do not live up to these. And so it is, the question of the day is one that actually Peter wrestled with. If you remember a few weeks ago, Steve was, was preaching in Acts chapter 10. And Peter's question, the thing he wrestled with was, with whom can I eat? Whom can I eat? So outwardly, the Pharisees were respectable, but inside they were dead. The Pharisees wouldn't have ate with the sinners or tax collectors. They couldn't. Outwardly respectable, head, had their head held high. They knew the Torah, they knew the Bible. They were doing everything right on the outside. They looked good, but on the inside they were filthy. Jesus then goes on to critique them as, as they cups on the inside. You're, you're, or on the outside you're white, you're clean. Looks good, but on the inside you're absolutely filthy. Rotten on the inside. The religious elite, the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the law had, had created a system. 
They created a system of respectability that actually only the wealthy and the elite could uphold. Because if you, if you were with somebody who was unclean, if you were with, a, let, let's say, a prostitute that was close to you, or you actually touched him, or a leper, or somebody that was diseased, then you would become unclean. You would have to go away for a week. You'd have to go through cleansing rituals, and then you could get back into the community again. And that's all well and good if you're wealthy, and you've got a palace, and you've got somewhere to stay, and, and you've got all that. You, you've, you've got money. What happens whenever you're living in the slums? What happens whenever you're living with a ton of other people and you simply cannot avoid? You're sharing the same toilet, sharing the same table. You're sharing the same occupied space as the unclean person. How are they going to be able to, to live in the same way that the, that the Pharisee or the teacher of the law can live? So the Pharisees and the teachers put law upon law to the nth degree making it nearly impossible for the poor and for the disadvantaged and for the marginalized ever to attain to. And because they could never attain to it, the gap widened and widened. We've got to be careful right now because, you know, I'm slagging the Pharisees here. You know, if, if, if this is a few thousand years ago, I wonder, Matthew would be a Pharisee. He's a teacher of the law. He teaches the Bible. He, he helps lead a church. He's a, he's a Pharisee. The word Pharisee isn't a bad word at all. It's actually the actions from the heart. And I wonder, I wonder about, what, about our expectations of behavior, perhaps. Maybe it's our clothing. Perhaps it's our punctuality. That can often exclude the poor and the marginalized. The poor and the marginalized might not be able to dress in a certain way that they see other Christians dressing. They might not have the, the cool t-shirts and the hoodies belonging to the NGOs or, or belonging to the charities. And they think, well, I, 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 can't, I can't be part of that. I, I don't have that. Maybe they don't have the haircut. Maybe they don't have the things that they think that other Christians should have and they feel put out. And they're even more marginalized than before. And what does Jesus seem to be saying through his actions here in Luke chapter 5? Jesus is saying, come. He's saying, come as you are. Every single one of us, come as you are. Whether you're poor, whether you're marginalized, whether you're a leper, whether you're unclean, whether you're a Pharisee, whether you're a teacher of the law, whether you're, if you're an average Jew, come as you are. Jesus is handing out party invitations, guys. He's handing out these party invitations to the new creation and he's saying, you are invited. He says, come as you are. Socially unclean, Come. Morally compromised, come. Uneducated, come. Don't know the lingo, don't know the Christianese, come. If you're ostracized in, in society, come. If you're unpopular, come. If you look different, come. Come as you are. You know, the religious leaders agreed there was a party, but the invitations that they handed out actually said something a little bit different. Their invitation says, you're invited, but first go and clean yourself up. Get yourself looking nice. Another invitation said, you're invited, but first put on the right clothes. Make sure you, you, you cover up. Make sure you dress in a particular way. Another invite said, you're invited, but first get yourselves right. You know what, you're invited, but not, not to this one. You're invited to the next one. Go and get yourself right in the meantime. Go and read a bit more. Go and learn a bit more. Go and watch how I do it a bit more. Then you'll be fit for our party. You know, Jesus enters Levi's world. A money swindler, a despised man in a despised profession. 
And Jesus says, follow me. Levi gets up, he leaves everything and he follows him. I wonder, I wonder guys, if Levi had the gift of evangelism. Do you see what he did next? Next thing he does is he throws a great feast. He throws a banquet for Jesus at his house. This, is, this isn't a, a meal for 10 to 12 people. This is a squad of shady, shady people. The guest list is as shady as they're going to come. And Luke describes it as a large crowd of tax collectors and others that were eating with them. So you're going to have your prostitutes. You're, you're going to have the people that society would have, would have kind of looked down on, not because they're poor and marginalized, but you're going to have the people who are, who are getting up to all sorts of badness. The guys and girls that come out at night, the guys and girls that don't show themselves during the day. I was doing some reading into what this, this would look like and, and they called it a, like a symposium. Usually a symposium nowadays is super boring. But this is the sort of thing where all the sex of the day is going to happen. This is where all the drunkenness, all the orgies, this, 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 is, this, this looks to me like hell on earth. This is where it all happens. Levi the tax collector throws a feast and Jesus comes along and Jesus turns up. Tim Chester says, when, when Jesus eats with Levi, the message is clear. Jesus has come for losers. That's good news. Jesus has come for people on the margins, people who have made a mess of their lives, people who are ordinary. Jesus has come for you. And the only people who are left out are those who think they do not need God. And the very same is true this evening. Jesus has come for you. And the only person here that is going to be left out is the person who need God. Jesus is a friend of riffraff. He's a friend of traitors. He's a friend of the unrespectable. He's a friend of the drunks, the druggies, the prostitutes. He's a friend of the mentally ill, the broken and the needy. People whose lives are an absolute mess. Jesus is drawn so into. And into contrast, you have the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who created a system that made them feel superior to others, but who didn't lift a finger to help them out. And I wonder perhaps if today's Pharisees are maybe people who would, who would condemn dysfunctional families but offer or refuse to offer any kind of support. Maybe today's Pharisees are those who, who call out people who are living off the state but they don't offer any assistance with employment, with support, with help. Maybe today's Pharisees are perhaps those who condemn obesity while offering no alternative to help with cooking or to offer healthy initiatives. Maybe today's Pharisees are those who, who criticize unhealthy drinking habits without coming alongside to help ease the pain. Or maybe even those who condemn abortion, but those who aren't interested in, uh, in, in fostering or, or any kind of childcare or adoption or helping a single mother who really doesn't want to go through with it. Guys, I'm not condoning these things and I'm, I'm not affirming these things, so don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But the pharisaical problem here is that there is condemnation at a distance and condemnation at a distance is known as legalism. And so unless you've got a monstrosity of a table, I can assure you it is not possible to enjoy a meal with one another from a distance. It's not possible to have fellowship. It's not possible to have unity. It's not possible to have intimacy from a distance. And Jesus knew this well. And what does he do? He steps in. So whenever the religious elite, elite retreated, and whenever they condemned, Jesus stepped in and he loved. The contrast is staggering. And the thing is, it wasn't convenient to Jesus. Doing this was absolutely not convenient to him. He's going to get slaughtered by the religious folk. But more than that, 
the sinners and the tax collectors are going to cost Jesus his time, going to cost Jesus his energy, and going to cost Jesus his comfort. This would not have been, have been an easy evening for Jesus as much as he loved to spend time with him. He's going to be getting caught on every side. You've got people whose lives are a mess here who he is loving and caring for. And you have people over here who are slagging him and calling him out for, for what he's doing. Problem people, difficult people, different people have a habit of exposing our hearts. Amen? Yeah. And if you don't know any problem people, difficult people or different people, then you probably are one. But problem people, difficult people and different people can at times inconvenience us. They cost us our time. They cost us our energy. They cost us our comfort. But I tell you more than that, they really reveal what our hearts are truly like. They reveal where our intentions and our desires really lie. And how we respond reveals just how deep Jesus' words have penetrated our hearts. Jesus spent a lot of time with problem people, different people and difficult people. And his heart was for them. You know, Jesus was, we, we read in the Gospels, and the one thing that he's always moved by, just says it time and time again, Jesus was moved by what? By compassion. It was compassion that moved Jesus. You know, our behavior always flows from the desires of the hearts. The Pharisees simply responded from the overflow of legalism. Jesus responded from a deep desire for intimacy, for connection, for fellowship. And I tell you this, one of them invites apprehension and the other invites contentment. Maybe you know somebody that lives and acts a little bit as a Pharisee. Maybe that, that is yourself or has been yourself. I tell you this, toward the broken and the marginalized, that invites apprehension. If I'm coming to meet with you and you're a, and, and, and you're a, you're a Pharisee, you're a teacher of the law, and you, you know-it-all, you're self-righteous and you're proud, I'm coming and I'm thinking, oh, you know what, Matt, I... I I don't measure up, so I'm, I'm going to have to make sure I, I say all the right things. And if they ask me the Bi a Bible verse, I sincerely hope I'm going to know the one that you're going to ask me. I really hope they don't shame me. I really hope I can live up to their standard. That invites apprehension, nothing more than apprehension, but yet the other invites contentment. Whenever you go for dinner to somebody who looks like Jesus, you know you're going to be loved, you know you're going to be cared for, and you know you're going to be somebody who that person actually wants to care for and is more interested in than themselves. I would love to have heard Jesus' conversations. I guarantee you he didn't chat about himself. And sometimes I wonder, Maffey, you're sitting at the dinner table here and you're entertaining guests and it's great and you love it. You're chatting a wee bit about yourself far too much. A little bit of uh, Pharisee in the Maffey. You know, growing up as a kid, I, have, I had allergies. I still have allergies to nuts if anyone wants to invite me around to dinner. But I had allergies to nuts, to eggs, to shellfish, to animal hair, and, and a few other things. And it, it always meant a fun conversation whenever I went around to people's houses. Or whenever mum phoned to, to my friend's mum and, and said, okay, uh, is it okay if Matthew comes along? Yeah, who's, who's this Matthew guy? And if he is going to come along, then, then you've you got to know this. He's allergic to this, 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 and this. And if you could, please put the dog outside. And you know what, I'll never forget how well I was welcomed in a few houses. I'll never forget how I felt at someone's house when I saw the lengths they would go to to welcome and to invite me in. 
men putting their beloved dog outside, men putting the nuts away, men cl closing up some of the foods, and men cooking cake without any eggs on it. Have you ever cooked cake without any eggs? I'm sure all I can. But they went to the extremes so that I could be part of the family. And it was only for a few hours, but nevertheless, they weren't resentful. They were kind. They were empathetic. They were generous towards me. They saw my need and they knew I was a problem person. I was a difficult person. I was a different person to their kids. But they invited me and they welcomed me and they took me as I was. And so Levi is guaranteed to have felt the same with Jesus. Jesus had no pretense. Jesus had no underlying uh, reason to come to Levi. Jesus had, had no ulterior motive. Jesus loved Levi and he called him to follow him. And so it is, come as you are. But as we come, and this is crucial, as we come to Jesus, we are to come to be nourished by his grace. I'm going to hear grace a, a little bit more over the weekend and we've saw grace through the, uh, through the previous talks. Grace is God's unearned favour. It comes to us in many, many ways, not least through the person of Jesus. And think of it this way. God accepts us to be his sons and daughters through faith because of what Christ has done. That is grace. And the only thing that I can contribute, Matthew can contribute to, to Matthew's salvation is a sin that makes it necessary. So we say with Paul, we are saved by grace. It's God's, God's favor that brings us to God. And so what's that got to do with meals? And how can we be nourished by God's grace? You know, shortly before all this takes place, earlier on in, in Luke chapter five, Jesus touches a man who is a leper, somebody with a defiling skin disease. And the man asks him, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the lep leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but instead go, go show yourself to the priest. Offer a sacrifice as Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Jesus should have become unclean. Jesus touched the leper. He should have been unclean, but yet the leper becomes clean. Physically, the man was transformed, but more than that, Jesus offered the leper the opportunity to integrate back into society. You know, Jesus didn't do away with the Levitical laws and purity. Rather, he superseded them. He, he said, there is something better that is here. God's grace transforms the outcast. So no longer was a skin disease the thing that was contagious. Rather, it was, it was Jesus' holiness. It was Jesus' grace that was contagious. So as Jesus touched the leper, as Jesus dined with Levi, the tax collector, he's, he's effectively saying, I have come and fulfilled the old Levitical laws. The, the old way had been abused, and because it had been abused, it's brought about religion. The Pharisees have abused it. Religion is about, but my new way is a way of grace, and absolutely everyone is welcome. And so the grace that's on offer to you and I this evening is absolutely antithetical to pride and to self-righteousness. And this is why the Pharisees could not get it. Levi knew who he was. Levi knew what he was doing. He knew he was the least deserving. He knew he was screwing over the other Jews. But yet Jesus still approached him and wanted to be with him. And so when the Pharisees complained to the disciples, Jesus replied to them and he said, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but it's the sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but come to call sinners to repentance. And Jesus dined with Levi, not because he was healthy and righteous, but because he was sick and he was unrighteous. And Jesus was drawn to him. I want to tell you, whether you're 
whether you're living like a Pharisee or maybe you're, the, maybe you're a bit more like Levi, Jesus is drawn to you tonight. You know, Jesus used meals which were precious, meals that were symbolic of friendship, symbolic of unity and intimacy to lavish grace upon the undeserving. He was known for eating and drinking so much that he was even accused of excess. And this is good news for you and me this evening. Grace turns absolutely everything upside down. Amen. So those who thought they were in, well, they were actually out. Those who were out were now welcomed in. His grace is absolutely scandalous. Absolutely scandalous. It's, it's, it's similar with Mary and Martha. It's like that with, with the sinful woman and with Simon. It's like that with the, with the older son and the younger son. And so it is here. And Jesus is extending an invitation. The very same invitation he's extended to all these guys. He's extended to you and me tonight. And he beckons each of us to come. To come and sit and to be with him. To receive his company. To be at ease with him. Jesus' favour cannot be earned. It cannot be bought. It cannot be worked for. It cannot be inherited. It can't be inherited. Jesus doesn't care what your mum and dad did. He doesn't care how good they were. He doesn't care how bad they were. It can't be inherited. He calls you and he beckons you to come. So the invitation is extended to all, to the tax collector, then also to the Pharisee. So to the sinner who feels unworthy and then to the self-righteous person who thinks they are worthy. And I want to take a few minutes this evening to respond as the, as the band comes back up. I want to offer a couple of invitations. And you know, as, as the band were, were, were playing a, uh, a line from an old dead guy called A.W. Tozer came to mind. And, he, and, and Tozer said that it is a solemn thing to see God's people seated at God's table, but still starving. It's a solemn thing to see God's children seated at God's table, but still starving. Church, we should never be seated at God's table and absolutely starving. We should be seated at God's table and getting nourished by the grace that's on offer. And offering that grace to the person sitting beside us, the person who does not have the same table manners that we have. The person that, that did not grow up the same as us. The person that has different expectations than us. Because the Jesus that we serve and the Jesus that we follow looks more like Jesus, looks like, more like God than, than he does like Matthew. Jesus looks more like God than he, than he does you. And so whenever we come to the table, we can all come equal. Grace levels the playing field. So as I say, I want to offer two invitations. Firstly, to, to, let's say to the tax collector, to the Levi here, maybe the person who recognizes their unworthiness. Maybe that person is caught perhaps in the cycles of sin that they just can't get out of. And every time, they, every time they walk into that sin, they just feel unworthy time and time again and they struggle to come back to the Father. To the person who is able to deeply resonate with the tax collector. Maybe they're, they're, they're not that popular in society. Maybe others despise them. Maybe they've got a history. Maybe people know what they're like. Maybe people cross the street to avoid them. Those people maybe who are uncomfortable around the religious folk. That might be you. You might be uncomfortable even, even here around the churchy folk. 
An invitation for you tonight is to come as you are. Jesus welcomes you and he beckons you. And then secondly, to those who are able to deeply resonate with the Pharisee, maybe the person that's kept the laws, the person that actually looks really good on the outside before others. Maybe, maybe it's a person the mafia really thinks highly of here because, because he sees them doing A, B, C, and D. Maybe that's the person who's full of sin on the inside, the person who's full of pride and self-righteousness. Maybe it's to the person who's been quick to condemn others without lifting a finger to help. And so I, I'd encourage you, will you stand with me? Let's use this moment as a moment to repent. So for the first person to recognize maybe their unworthiness, to come as you are, Jesus has grace for you. And then secondly, for maybe for the Pharisee, as we use this moment to, to repent, to recognize the sin that you need to confess and repent of. And you know what? I want to encourage you, come as you are again, because Jesus has grace for you too. There's not one person in this room that Jesus does not have grace for tonight. Jesus' table is a place of safety and a place of welcome. It is a place of forgiveness and a place of celebration. It is a place where Jesus' friends can gather. And it's a, friend, it's a place where Jesus' friends then become our friends because that's how grace works. You know, if God is big enough to forgive even the largest sin, then we have the opportunity to let go of even the smallest grudge. And so as we gather around the table this weekend, as we gather around the table right now tonight, let us receive God's good grace.